Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. And today we have a very special guest with us coming on again, Tracy McBeath. She's going to update us and give us some more information and talk about her new book right here. It's a beautiful book. She is a health and healing coach. Welcome, Tracy. Oh, thank you so much, my friend, Amber. It's so lovely to be here with you again. I can't wait to chat. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, Tracy is like so awesome. She is doing so many different things. But first, can you give us a brief background? Um, I know you've been on before. You've kind of given the long story. But if you could kind of give a, a brief bio for those who have not met you yet. Yes. So, yes, I'm a health coach. I call myself the health and healing coach because the healing part of it was very much a part <clears throat> excuse me, of my journey and now is a lot of the work that I do. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I, uh, I, I came into the low carb space at about 40 up until then I was a personal trainer, but I became a very fat personal trainer and I couldn't figure out why. So I was diagnosed with pre-diabetes and at that point, so that was nearly nine years ago now. And that was the point I turned my life around and thought, well, you know, there's something missing here. What am I misunderstanding? I'm doing everything I'm told to do. I'm eating less. I'm moving more, but I'm just, it's not happening for me. So um, I found low carb and prof notes and all those incredible people that teach within it. And I haven't looked back and, you know, a couple of years in, I decided that I had to, you know, really, really help people give, give people really, I suppose, what I see as, more accurate information for them to make their decisions on, not information that's just one-sided and based on very poor science, but information that is based on really good science and help people to make those changes in their life. And, you know, there's so many obstacles that we come up against. And I think that's the healing side of it for me. You know, we can all learn, we can all get the knowledge, but what do we do with that knowledge? How do we make it impact our everyday decisions? And and that's where I, I guess I... I specialize now and I absolutely love the work that, that I do. I love it. And gosh, you are so busy. Wow. I thought I did crazy stuff, but you have like a lot out there. Okay. Last time you were on here, you had been diagnosed with um, Hashimoto's and you decided to try a carnivore diet. So give us an update on that and your whole prog progress. What's going on? Yeah, right. Well, so that would have been nearly two years ago. They'd be coming up to two years ago that that happened. And it was life-changing. So another massive curveball um, and totally changed the direction that I was looking in. Hashimoto's is definitely hereditary. My mom and my grandmother had um, have it or had it. And uh, I, I guess I sort of thought that I wouldn't get it. I don't know. It just never occurred to me, you know, that I would, it would be something that I'd be diagnosed with. Looking back, I think I had all the symptoms in my 30s, very much so. In my 40s, I think low carb was a bit protective. It kind of meant that I could sort of uh, get along with things. I think it healed things to a degree, but um, I went and got checked when I thought I was going through menopause because I was starting to get hot flushes and all these sort of different things. My sleep went out the window. Um, anyway, I was in menopause and it was came back as Hashimoto's. So I thought, okay, well... I have to, I can't just accept that. I, you know, I just think there's more I need to see around that. And I did work with Michelle Doka for six months. She's a, a naturopathic doctor in, and mm -hmm. transformational coach. And, you know, she really helped me look to things that I had really not wanted to look at. Um, a lot of the 
a lot of the work we did really centered around the emotional healing because I hadn't realized how much that was impacting my health. Um, and she did help me transition to carnivore. And, you know, I'm pretty much 90% carnivore now. Most I just love it. I just can't imagine going back to, you know, eating all those oxalates and lectins <laughs> that I didn't know you know, were causing such an issue for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in remission. I have no symptoms. All my 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 thyroid panel is exactly where it should be. Um, yeah, which is fantastic. I'm very much aware. I think now when I start to let things get away from me, um, and when I, you know, for me that was more around my reaction to things. Um, and that's the healing part of things. You know, there was a lot that I just didn't realize I was reacting to and sitting, you know, inside me. And there was all this rumination going on. And a lot of it came back to really me, um, you know, that little girl wanting to be loved and not being rejected. And I think because I hadn't wanted to look at that, it was actually dictating a lot of the stuff in my life. And I, I didn't want it to do that anymore. So, yeah, I had to look at that and it was scary and it was mm -hmm. confronting mm -hmm. yeah but ultimately changed my life and has freed me from so many things that I never thought I could be free from you know just simply what people think of me you know how much does that dictate how we live our life I mean it totally dictated my life until I saw that what other people thought about me had nothing to do with me it was all about them Absolutely. Oh gosh. That that is so incredibly true about, you know, healing from that because we do have all these misperceptions, you know, going on and what people think about you. Wow. I will say I definitely fell in that trap too, but as I get older, my give a, you know, what is kind of, <laughs> but you know, still some things like will happen like online, a comment, just the rudest, just ugliest comment. And you're like, all of a sudden it like hits you. And then you go back into that mode, you know, like what you, you've had to kind of work through. And then you realize, Ooh, maybe I'm not a hundred percent yet. Maybe there's something still right there in my little psyche that I need to work on, you know, but it, it does get better. <clears throat> It does get better, but I think too, you know, I, I think that's just such a normal part of being human. A part of my healing has seen that so much of what I was experiencing was very, very normal. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, the tribal nature of human beings, I mean, we're just tribal creatures in a modern world. And if we were kicked out of the tribe, we died. It was so, so important to be included and to do those things to be accepted. Now, of course, in the modern world, it doesn't necessarily help us. But the thing is, our tribe is massive. There's no barriers, right? We, we put something out there and people can throw rocks at us straight away from anywhere around the world. There's people <laughs> that we don't even know who they are most of the time, right? Now, you know, we can let that, we can be hooked by that because that's part of how our brain is set up. It's set up to protect us, to look for danger, to stay part of the tribe. And we can be hooked in on that and let that dictate us so we can say well you know what thank you I know that's what you're trying to do but I'm going to hook, unhook from that and I'm not going to follow that and I know I'm okay you know but I, I still think you know there's there will be times where it will come up you know I still get that familiar you know if I read someone make a criticism of what I do and you know and I, I do think thank you it's normal 
I know what you're doing, but I'm okay. I don't need you to protect me and I'm going to let that go. And, you know, you move on much quicker. It is true. It doesn't mean it still, it doesn't sometimes kind of mm, come out no. of the blue, especially yeah. when they're, they attack your beliefs or, yeah. you know, or, or where you're trying to do something really positive and they got to spin it negative and you're like, why? Just why? Why you feel the need to do that? Is your life that unhappy? Really? Well, that's you know? right. Because they're actually trying to make themselves feel better. You know, you know, that, that, you know, deflecting and spitting it out onto others, you know, they're sitting in something that they're not even aware of, of pain. And, you know, just simply them doing that, they get that, that relief temporarily because they've put you down or they've thrown a rock at you. But ultimately, it's just a temporary relief. It's an illusion. It's not really actually fixing anything within them. And they go off and, you know, they've still got to live in that, you know, that, but the job we have is really to have that concrete blanket. So it just deflects straight back off us and we get better at that, but it doesn't mean that we don't, they don't find the chinks sometimes and get in because we're human beings. Exactly. And, you know, you spoke about fitting in with a tribe. You know, that was, if you didn't, you kind of died. And now it, it, it is different, but we still do have a tribe, you know, really, if you think about it. And to be honest with you, sometimes I really don't want to be in a tribe. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, oh my goodness. Then, then it's almost like you become part of a cult. And, I, and I'm not talking tribes as far as carnivore, keto. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking in general as, as you know, humans, as populations, you know, what's going on in the world today, you know, yeah. and, and, and it just, yeah. to me, it gets harder to want to fit in. And it's like, you know what? I want to be weird. I'm just going to not fit in. I'm just going to try harder not to fit in, you know, because I don't like it. I don't like it, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I love that. I I do think that's part of the healing journey. That's possible in the world we have today. It wasn't right back in those tribal days, but today it is possible. And I think it is freeing to do that, to see that, you know, we don't need to be, you know, we don't need to change who we are to fit in anymore. We need to just be yeah. who we are and we will attract, you know, people that resonate with that. And it's not going to be everyone, but it doesn't need to be everyone. It's going to be who it is. And that will keep shifting and changing. And I think that's really exciting to be in that space. It, it is, it is. And, you know, again, I'm not talking like, you know, carnivore keto or anything like that. Although there are some toxic in, in that yeah. too, but yeah. it, it's great. I keep getting this hair. I'm sorry, but it, it is important to have the support and to have people who have like goals and, you know, that kind of thing who aspire to greater things. You want to be part of that. So it can help you grow and then you can help them grow. So it's like the symbiotic kind of relationship. And that is the beautiful part about being part of a tribe. But as far as like what you're saying, changing yourself to fit in or pretending you're somebody that you're not. Okay. I am not willing to do that. I'm just not going to do it. I've always been kind of stubborn that way anyway, and I'm really stubborn now. So, you know, that's just not going to happen. I don't care. I just don't care. I will not do it. I will not do it. Yeah. (laughs) Good for you. Yep. Yep. And I think it is great when we see that we don't have to do that. So yeah, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I, I am thrilled to hear about the remission of your Hashimoto's. That is fantastic. And it, you mentioned the, the healing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, what, 
what did you do to heal the other part? Obviously, you know, the diet played a huge part, but the other part you spoke about the healing from within, how did you approach like if somebody wanted, wanted to heal, like really heal from the inside out, not just diet or exercise, but really healing. What, what can they do? Like, what are some steps? Like, how did you approach it? Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, it's a very unique journey. I think deciding that you want to do it is the biggest part because I, I really think we're always up against the pull from our habitual, habitual brain for us not to do that. It really doesn't want us to see something new. It doesn't want to change. Of course, when we bring it back all to that safety aspect of our tribal brain, we can understand that and see that we can step away from that. So that's a big part of it. You know, the illusion of, you know, what we believe and and who we are and all that is created from our experiences obviously and that's obviously unique to me as yours is unique to you nobody on the planet has the same experience which means we're all filtering the world through our very unique lens Um, so understanding that's really important so to talk about me personally I think I grew up in a family where um, a very loving family, you know, this is nothing against my family at all. But I think no matter what family you grow up in, as little children, you you tend to take on certain beliefs of, of and try and understand, right, your little world around what happens to you. And I have a grandfather who was an alcoholic and I have a brother who has been ad- and, and, yeah, addicted mm-hmm. to drugs and gambling and lots of other things. And I think that really did impact my upbringing. And, you know, not that, um, you know, as I said, not that my mom did anything other than the best she could. But I think there was a a little girl who saw that, you know, I was responsible for my mother's well-being. Mm. So there was a real codependency. I'm not sure if you've Mm. come across, yeah, codependency, Mm. but it it is very common in families where there is an addiction. Mm -hmm. And it was something I had never, ever been aware of until Michelle pointed it out to me and she suggested a book called um by melody Beatty, codependent no more and it was a phenomenal book that you know really started to um and you know for me to find the courage to really look at my codependent beliefs that i had about me and and everybody else around me um and it's just a step-by-step process you know starting Mm -hmm. to see well they're their band-aids, their beliefs, their things we take on for protection. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we have to start to see that we don't need that protection anymore, that underneath all of those stories and band-aids and things that we created in our life, we're okay, that well-being's within us. We've got this inside us. And all we need to do is peel off the layers to be able to connect with it. Um, and, you know, so first of all, we need to know that exists within us. Uh, and then we need to have that courage to allow things to, to fall off. And it's not a comfortable process. Mm-mm. It's very scary. And it feels like you're stepping out without a safety net. You're just taking that step over the cliff and you have no idea where you, you land. Um, and, but you have to trust the process and know that you will be okay. Um, and gradually you do start to feel okay. And you do start to see that you don't have to follow the same behaviors and you don't have to follow the same reactions to things that have happened to you in the past and you know it's not like you need to create a new story you just need to see you can let go of the old one and allow the process of living and the connections that you have in each and every day to present something new to you 
which if you don't step away from what you're living in, you won't see. You'll miss it. Um, so in terms of, I mean, this is COVID. I, I have clients that work with me for six months, you know, in coaching to, to see this. It's not a quick fix. It's not something that we're used to because we are obviously pushed in this world. We every, want everything now, everything quickly. This process isn't like that. Um, which can be frustrating and then there can be a lot of inner talk saying you know you you're not worth it it's too late for you what's the point you know all these unhelpful um, voices and thoughts that will go on in our mind to to convince us not to do it Um, and really we just have to kind of turn away from all of that and just do it anyway and when we do that and we just take one step and know that all we need to take is one step and the next one will definitely show up um, you know, it just it just plays out for us, and there is a guiding hand pushing us, and it's and it's a it's something bigger than us. I mean, there's something bigger than us here. I mean, it's not, I'm not religious at all, but there is a there is a guidance system in everything on the planet to just know how to how to live, and you know that's what I call our inner GPS system. Or yeah, when I'm talking to teenage kids, I call it the superpower that, you know, this is a superpower we've all got within us that's, that's there, it's available. We just have to tune into it. And to do that, you know, we have to tune out of this. It's helping, trying to help, but it's not, it's not really helpful mind and overthinking mind. And we'll see, you know, what else is available to us. So, yeah, I mean, it's a process pretty hard to do on your own. I think it's definitely worth, you know, getting someone to, to help you you know, I think we all have blind spots. We all can see in others before we can see in ourselves. And, you know, we're our own harshest critic too, aren't we? And Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and and I, think, I think you hit on this too, is that it is an extremely uncomfortable thing to do to face your, if you want to call them demons, whatever, because we are so conditioned to avoid pain at all costs. But yeah. sometimes, gosh dang it, you got to just, sit with pain a little bit. You got to kind of, you know, work through that. And sometimes pain brings the best things because, you know, that pain pleasure little system is uh, needs to be in balance at all the times, you know, and when you're Mm -hmm. always hitting this pleasure thing, you know, you got to have some of that pain in there too, you know, to kind of even it out. And, and, And it's not fun. It's not fun. Nobody likes that. But sometimes it's just so necessary. And I do agree with you. I think you can, I suppose, theoretically do it on your own, but it's so much better when you have somebody there supporting you, guiding you through somebody who's been through it, somebody Mm -hmm. who, you know, a professional who has done this many times and they kind of know how this works out. I think it's so important and it it is a huge part of healing. And I don't think we give it enough credit. You know, we're, we're too busy. Oh, give me the drug. Um, you know, oh, try this diet, do this. But we don't focus enough on the inside part, which is no. huge. It affects it's everything huge. in your body. It does. I mean, your, your brain, your, your, your digestive system, it affects everything, you know? Well, it does, but it's actually, um, you know, we're actually only ever operating from what we, you know, our thinking, our own personal thinking is, it's driving every decision we make in every single day, every single decision. And the feeling that we sit in in our body is always coming from our thoughts. 
it's so an such an illusion that it looks like it's coming from something out there but it's our thinking about the something out there that's creating the feeling we sit in our in our body yet we get to work on trying to change everything that's happening out there instead of looking in here to the source of the feeling so the freedom comes when we do that and you know I, I'm mentoring coaches now um, and my personal ones but also within the nutrition network and part of growth as a coach is actually holding that mirror up to yourself. And I said to these coaches, if you want to get a, become a better coach, you have to look in, you've got to look in the mirror. You've got to be aware. You've got to notice your triggers and you've got to not blame the outside world for those triggers. They're coming from within you. If you, you know, that is the biggest advice I would give you to continually learn is to continually look within. And the more you see, within you the more you can show others it's oh it's yes just, you know you I can agree learn everything from a textbook you can be the top scientist you can have all the knowledge in the world but if you have no idea on how to impact others or how to light up a path for them they will not come to you and they'll not stay with you and they'll have no impact I totally agree with you and you know it something that's recently happened to me, like we were discussing earlier, that I'm specializing in food addiction. So I've been taking training and et cetera. And it's made me look inside myself. And I see a whole nother level that yeah. it wasn't that I, I, I denied that I had an addiction really, but I didn't really understand fully how it affected my whole life, basically. Yeah. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, that's why I did that. Oh, that's where my eating disorders came from. Oh, this is what, and so it just like clicks everything. And then it makes yeah. you really turn everything in, in, inside yourself and start seeing it through a different lens, you know, mm -hmm. and learning more about yourself and, you know, God, I thought I knew it. Oh, no, I'm still learning. <laughs> still learning yeah and that's the thing with those layers you know they're they're endless they're infinite you know it's not like you'll get to a point and you're like oh wow that's it now you know it doesn't happen like that it's this constant which is exciting and I say you know for the rest of my life on this planet I hope every day I see insight I see something new and if you're open to it and if you're looking in that direction you will see it and it you know like we can only see what we see you know such a big part of healing particularly you know around addiction is knowing that you always do the best you can at the level of awareness you have always mm -hmm. because we're designed to protect ourselves we're designed to look after ourselves and you know I hate I've talked to you about I'm sure I've talked to you about this before but I hate the whole self-sabotage thing because it's just misguided love. It is misguided self-love. We, we, we don't understand. We, or we don't even know we have the opportunity to make other choices because we haven't seen it yet. So how can it be self-sabotage when we're only operating from what we can see? And that's the beauty of doing that transformational internal journey. You are opening up. It's like you open up a door to a world yeah. that you never knew existed before. Yeah. I, you know, when you put a positive spin on it and it being exciting to like, you know, learn these different things. And, and I agree with you because, you know, I wasn't upset with what I learned, but it, it just kind of pulled a lot of the pieces of the puzzle together. And so I'm missing less pieces now because it just all kind of this 
Wow. You know, and so that is exciting because yeah, you can't go back and change anything, but you can understand yourself better. And, yeah. and you can, instead of blaming yourself, instead of thinking you were broken, instead of, you know, those kind of things, it makes you go, oh, okay. And then it gives you self-compassion. And, you know, that's kind of self-care right there, which we'll be talking oh, a little bit about yeah. that later. But yeah, uh, yeah right. Yeah. I love okay. the puzzle pieces. I love oh, that. Yes, I think that's yes. exactly so what it's important. like. Yeah, it really is. And it, that is a cool thing. So I'm with mm. you there. I get the excitement over it where I probably would have before said, yeah, no, that's not so fun, but it kind of is, you know, it, it makes me happy because now I can explain a lot of things where I just thought maybe I wasn't a good person or maybe, you know, whatever there, I was broken, whatever it was. And no, no, that wasn't it. it some things that happen and it just, uh, and then my addictive brain and, uh, and trauma and, you know, all these things that just kind of cause things. And then you kind of put it all together and you're like, okay, now I get it. Okay. So not, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying I can change it, but moving forward, at least I understand myself a little better, yeah, you know? Exactly. And, and then when you find yourself in a situation again, you're like, okay, yeah, no, I know why I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's the beauty. That is a beauty. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into uh, some of the projects you're working on. Tell me about this M nutrition network. This sounds fascinating. Yes. It's been fascinating. So Gosh, it must have been middle of last year they reached out um, to me to see if I would like to be involved in creating uh, their first certified coaching program for coaches, which is the Nutrition Network. A lot of their programs are online, so you watch videos and then get your certification. But they had done a medical practitioner certification, which is a group of 12 practitioners that it's online live training for three months a really intensive program and they wanted to bring in the same for coaches so um they asked me and three other coaches from around the world if we'd like to be involved and you know basically said you know if you were coaching and at that time I had started coaching um other coaches mentoring coaches what would you like them to know you know what are the things that that you know would be really helpful in a program and so we all submitted it and they put it together and yeah, it started like October last year, three months. There was 12, 12 coaches. Some had been coaching for a long time. Some had never been coaching, but there was a obviously a requirement process for people to be able to do it. Um, and it was incredible. It was a lot of 4 a.m. mornings for me being in Australia and, you know, the market not being here. But it was Yikes. just fabulous. You know, I got to coach five of the uh, 10 weeks where, you know, I took them for a two-hour session and then obviously there was work that, you know, sort of went on and mentoring and it was phenomenal and they all passed with flying colours. And Bitten Johnson was one of the other coaches, so she taught the addiction. And that's how we connected and, you know, I'm very lucky she's asked me to be involved in her program. So excited about that. Yes, (laughs) very excited. So what I I taught within the Nutrition Network is, is insight-based coaching. So it is this stuff um, that I believe really brings change. You know, some people some people don't need it. Some people, you know, they will just get the information and the knowledge and they can easily make the changes they need in their lives. But they're not the people that generally seek out coaches. So the people that seek out coaches, they've got stumbling blocks. They've got barriers. 
And I would say every single one of my coaching clients now, like non-coaches, just normal clients, have been trying low-carb keto or whatever, you know, their version of it. And sometimes for two years and they can't make it work. So, you know, what are those, why is that? What are those missing pieces? And to me, that's where Insight Coaching has that huge amount of, it has that potential for impact. Um, And that's what I brought into the program and that's what I taught these coaches. And that's what I'll be, you know, sharing. Obviously, a two-hour lecture versus a three-month program, there won't be as much in it with Bitten. But, yeah, I'm bringing that into helping her professionals as well. Just, it's, it's about impact, you know, and connection. If we don't, as a coach, make that connection, it doesn't matter how much knowledge we have, we won't have a client. So, you know, and that's, it's it's kind of um, less concrete, which is why I think people find it harder. And it does require introspective, that turning that mirror onto yourself. But as I said, you know, when you do it with with um, a non in a non judgmental and a very safe platform, it is just phenomenal. And I've made connections now with those coaches that I'll have for the rest of my life. And yeah, it's very exciting. So Nutrition Network want to continue, you know, really pushing coaching, which I see as the missing link, you know, in 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 change and in health reversal and in keeping getting people healthy again. Um, so yeah, that'll be exciting. It's watch this space as to what I'll be doing there. I'll definitely be doing that program again this year, but uh, there'll be other stuff that, you know, hopefully I'll be involved in getting out there. And that's very, very exciting. But alongside that, I've created this hub, the Low Carb Lifestyle Hub, which is a platform to predominantly push coaching and really help people. It's, it's a free resource people can come to, to you know, get information and to connect with, you know, I've got coaches from all around the world on that platform. Hopefully you're going to join it too, Amber. And yes. uh, <laughs> Bitten's on there, you know, it's, uh, just, it's just a place where they can come and find some hope and some new ideas and new connections. And from that, um, I'm going to be doing little summits, you know, no big summits anymore. I've done my two big ones. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. <laughs> oh, there are no more massive, massive ones. I'm just going to do little bite-sized, calling them healthy bite-sized summits and, and just ask the, the practitioners that are part of the hub to, to be part of that. Um, so it's kind of my little side hustle. So I get to that when I've got time. Um. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Your summits are fabulous. So I'm glad you're not completely not doing it. Um, I have a question about the Nutrition Network. Yeah. Now, um, for, for coaches, mm. is that open to any coach or is there certain requirements or like anybody, yeah. any coach? Yes. Well, there is requirements in that you have to have done their advisor training course. Um, I think there is a, there is a definite pathway for uh, coaches to get to the point of doing, being uh, accepted to doing that one because they only take a small number and it is a, an intensive, you know, and it is intensive because within wow. that is, uh, you know, their medical team, you know, they bring in that top, you know, up-to-date knowledge as well. So um, it's a really, really lovely, you know, mix of everything. Um, but I don't know off the top of my head the exact pathway, but I know that there okay. was, is at least the, the advisor course, maybe one other of their programs. And they don't, you don't have to have had any actual coaching experience. 
um, more more just have done the work leading up to it. But I, I don't know what it is. It'll be on their website. Okay. Because I know they're definitely definitely going to run it again, and I I, I hope they will have more people. I did, you know, the first one, the pilot one, was obviously, you know, just treading testing the waters, and there was only twelve. But I think there's definitely scope to do more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so good, there's a lot good. of interest. Good, good, good. Yeah, I, I saw on your Facebook, you know, the graduates, and I was like, what is, what is this? What, what, wait, wait, what, what is this? I got to check yeah. into this. Yeah. Well, I think they will start talking about it a lot more too now that they've got the pilot out of the way. So they obviously okay. wanted, you know, they did handpick quite a few people to do the first, that were obviously interested in doing it, but, you know, handpicked a few people to do it just to make sure. Um, but they were thrilled. I think it just exceeded their expectations and, um, you know, but then the coaches are now at the point that a lot of them haven't coached before. They're stepping out and there's still always more to see and always more to learn. And, you know, what I'm hoping to bring in is, is a bridging sort of mentoring program on, okay, now you've got this, now what? You know, now's the doing, you know, and it is in the doing that is the yeah. scary part, but that's when we learn the most, obviously. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that's for sure. Okay. So um, are you ready to get into the book? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Love to. So here's the book right here. Let me see. You have today. You can see that pretty well, right? Yeah. Here's, <laughs> here's I, I guess I have too much brightness on mine, but okay. Let's talk a little bit about this. I want to know why did you write this particular book and what is it about? Okay. So I wrote this book not thinking it was going to become a book. <laughs> if I'd have sat down and said, I need to write a book, I just don't think I could have done it. It was, I, I, I think I thought at some point in my life I would write a book, but you know, everyone has that lofty idea. It was never something that I actively put steps in place to do. But in Melbourne, Australia, where I live, we had one of the we had the harshest one of the harshest lockdowns. Although it's not any longer, there are still places still going in lockdowns. But we, for two years on and off, had many many lockdowns because of COVID. And I think we went in about June, July last year. We went into another one. It was about the seventh two week lockdown that ended up being you know months and months. Mm -hmm. um, and I was I'll never forget it I was sitting there with my kids and I felt the familiar frustrations of you know here we go again back to homeschool back to you know my husband not working back to this back to that and I thought you know what I'm not going to let any of that affect me I made a really really strong decision that I was only going to focus on what I could control and I needed to let go of what I couldn't because it was just becoming you know, and it is, it still is for many people, but I just thought, no, I'm not helping myself. I'm not helping my kids. I'm not helping anyone by just being a victim to what was being thrown at me. So I thought, well, you know what, what I'm going to do is create what I call a year of abundance. And I'm just mm -hmm. going to show up to my, I love my Instagram family. I have met, not met, but virtually met <laughs> lots of, and yourself included, very beautiful people through Instagram. I really love it. I, I do. I love it. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to show up every day and just share an insight, just share something I've seen that has really helped me navigate difficult times and helped particularly in my healing journey, you know, with Hashimoto's and codependency and all of that. And I thought, well, I can do that. I know something will occur to me every day. I don't need to overthink it. I don't need to pre-plan it. I just need to sit in it and let something come to me. And it did. 
And I got to one day 100. And just like when I started to do it, the year of abundance, and inside occurred to me that said, you know what? This is it. You've got a book here. You have got a book in these 100 insights. You don't need to do any more. There is so much in here that has the potential to show anybody who reads it and looks at it different possibilities. That's it. Take it off. And I did. I took it all off and I collated it into a book. And I, all I had to overcome was my fear of being in the arena, putting myself out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Having to actually do it. I self-published it. I did everything I could myself. Obviously, I had people help me with formatting and different things like that because, you know, I needed help with that. Yep. <laughs> um, but even the day before it was going to be published, I wanted to pull the pin. I was like, oh, the fear, you know, that familiar oh, I do know. fear. Yep. Came. I do and, know. Yep. And I literally had to just step in and press that button regardless of, of all those fears or feelings I was feeling, because I knew that they were just an illusion. I knew that I had, if I paid attention to that, I would never do it. And, oh, I'm so glad I just pressed publish and out it went. And it's been fantastic. It's, um, I've had so much amazing feedback. It's a book that will never go out of date because there are insights around, you know, life and real life and I've shared from my heart I haven't tried to make it anything other than what it is I haven't judged it I haven't tried to you know target an audience I've just shared what I've seen and it's not a book that you would pick up and read cover to cover but it's a book that you can have many people have I know I've had friends say I've got it in the toilet and every morning I'll sit and I almost said that <laughs> yeah chicken soup for like, the soul that's what it reminds me of Yes. 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 It's so funny. I'm like, I'm so honored. I'm with you every morning in that place. But anyway, (laughs) I have mine on the coffee table and it's just that you just pick it up. And as you said to me before we started recording, something, something will come up up to you. It's not, it's not a how to, it's not a telling you anything other than have you considered this? And maybe you're only seeing it this way because of this. So if you looked at it this way and, and change and saw it from this perspective, what could change for you? You know, that curiosity, that, that just getting curious with, with anything in your life. And when you do that, something else will occur to you. And that's what it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it's very beautiful. And like I said, I haven't really got to read it, like you said, from cover to cover, but I did go through it and, and kind of some things kind of hit me. But putting yourself out there like that. I mean, it's hard enough when you're in, you know, you put yourself out there sharing our stories, like what we do, but putting it out there. Oh my gosh, because I'm a published romance writer and that first full length novel for me. Oh, that was scary because people are freaking mean and (laughs) they write reviews. Even some of the reviews, it's like, did you even read the book? Because I'm pretty mm, sure you probably didn't. not based on no. what you said makes no sense, but yeah. it still hurts you to the core because you, you poured yourself into that book, you know, and yeah. like for me, uh, my first full length, it took a year for me to write that. And so that was, that was my baby. So that is hard. So kudos to you for that. And mine is, you know, it's fiction. Yours 
is like your heart. You're like putting your, your heart out there. So that's even scarier, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. because this kind of, to me is an insight into you. Yes. You know? Yeah, it is. And through that window, you know, then it may be an insight into you. Yeah. Good point. A reflection back. Okay. Mm. So if you're okay, I picked out a few things that Mm. struck me. Okay. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, y'all, if this doesn't, you know, you know, sit with you so well, but it sat with me, something jumped out at me. So I kind of want to just discuss it and kind of tell me maybe why you wrote that particular thing and what you meant when you wrote it. Okay. So the first one is, and we talked a little bit about this already about feeling broken. And I have said that to myself a lot in the past. Now I know better, but that's something I think a lot of us do. And I thought I was the only one, but you say you aren't broken and you never have been Discuss that for us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That makes my heart leap because uh, it's so important and it's such a part of any healing journey to see that you aren't broken and you never have been. It's Mm -hmm. only... It it really is like, as we've talked about, you know, the illusion of these thoughts that we've created over time about who we are and what we're capable and all we can do. Um, And, you know, a big part of saying that you're not broken is this connection with this inner wisdom, this inner GPS system that we've got that most people don't know we have. Um, Until we point it out, until I point it out, you know, and get you to think about times when you will have heard, you know, felt it, which, you know, people call it the gut feeling, you know, intuition, you're just that inner knowing, well, that's there. And I know everybody will be able to think about times when they've felt that. And it feels so different when we're listening to that. Now, our, our wisdom, our well-being would never, ever, ever, ever tell us we were broken would never tell us you know this is the mind the mind is generally really rude and really hurtful because it's habitual (laughs) yeah and you know starting to to just tune out you don't have to change it you actually don't it's actually far easier than people think because they want to get in there and change it and stop these things coming up whereas I say well they might come up for the rest of your life but your attention to it can totally shift so you can totally tune out of that radio station and tune into, you know, a lot more helpful, kind, compassionate wisdom that is within us as well. So, yeah, I had to do that. I had to, I thought I was broken, but it's so mm-hmm. funny because, well, it's not funny, but, you know, it's a discussion <laughs> I have with every client and everybody. And it's such a thing, you know, we feel like we are the only ones going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is such a part of the human condition. I honestly believe on some degree, every human being will feel this at some point. Yeah, I I think so too. And, you know, I I don't feel that way now, but, you know, until I just went through this whole thing, like what I told you about the addiction, that those pieces kind of fell into place. And then I'm like, yeah, see, I wasn't broken. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like a oh, conversation yeah. I had with myself. See, there you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you thought you were, but you're not. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's extremely important for people to understand because yeah. that, that to me, knowing how I felt and I see it in my clients, 
it hurts my heart. It hurts my soul, you know, because it's like, oh God, I know that feeling. And that is the worst. That is the worst. So yeah, I think that that's a very beautiful section. Okay. So the next one is I don't eat much sugar. (laughs) Tell me what you mean by that, because I know what you mean. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things. I hear that a lot too. And I'm like, Okay. Um, what is it? I think the quote is, I don't eat much sugar, says anyone who uh, doesn't understand that carbohydrates are sugar. I think that's yes, what I Yes, I, yes, I yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, there are a few nutrition insights in there. There are only like three or four. Most of the book is, is not about nutrition at all. But nutrition is an important piece of the puzzle. So I didn't want mm. it to be not considered because I think when we do understand the impact of sugar and carbohydrates on our brain and on our body, it's such an easier shift <laughs> uh, to start to look um, at this internal stuff. Um, so yeah so I just you know it's just such a misunderstanding out there I mean there's this bad science that's been constantly perpetuated and I think a lot of it is that fear of giving up stuff we don't want to give up so we we fall and we keep hold of a belief that actually at the end of the day is not very helpful for us but again you see it's just that illusion it's just the brain trying to protect you and I honestly believe that until we see the illusion for what it is changes very very difficult those beliefs i'm not going to listen to anything different that's what Mm. i want i don't you know i don't want to change i don't want to you know whatever it is um but you know again it's not my job to change anyone but i want people to be make you know have good information to make their decisions on yes yes (laughs) and that's one that always kind of kills me too because that information is not necessarily mainstream. I mean, when you say sugar, you think of literally the white granule stuff or cakes and candy and that Mm. you, you're not thinking about the pasta, the bread, the, all that processed food that can be broken down easy, light and absorb like sugar. So it ultimately breaks down to sugar. So it it, it affects the body the same dang way, but you don't think about it like that. So from a health perspective, of that one always kills me. So of course that caught me in the book, of course. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And you've kind of talked a little bit about that already, but what did you mean by that? I think that's something that I will endlessly be learning more about, you know, for the rest of my life. I think um, it's so easy to think that um, everybody sees this, the world in the same way that we are. And I, you know, I was really struck and I'm still struck by, you know, the conflict going on, particularly around, um, you know, something like the vaccine. I mean, we're not going to talk about it, you know, in detail here, but I worked through with a lot of clients who were having a problem for or against with family members, you know, disagreements, Um And, you know, it wasn't my job to help them make a decision either way, but I wanted them to see that whatever decision they made was the decision that was right for them. And they needed to release people to make their own decisions that were were right for them as well. And the fact that if they made a decision differently to yours, it wasn't personal, actually has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. Yet that tribal brain, keep Mm -hmm. coming back to that. There's so much, it's so much in that, but that tribal brain doesn't 
you know, it wants to kick you out of the tribe if you see it differently. Uh, and, you know, when, well, when it comes to someone you don't know, well, what have you, but when it comes to your partner or your kids or your family members, families are being destroyed needlessly. Yes. And I think it comes back to this misunderstanding that we all have our own window that we see the world through. We all do. So what I see through is not what you see through. And if we get curious about that instead of judgmental, then we can operate and connect and come from a place of love instead of fear. And it doesn't mean that we will change. It doesn't mean we need to change, but we need to release people and everybody around us to make their own decisions. And when we do that, we keep relationships open. And then when you, you, know, you do that, you have much more of a chance that at seeing something new or maybe changing your mind or changing their mind, you know, like it's just such an illusion. And yeah, that was where that came from. And I think you'll find like there's a, some, through the book, there's a lot of repeated similar themes, big themes, because they take a while. They, you know, none of this stuff sinks in overnight. You can't flick a switch and just suddenly get it. You know, it's a repeated attention that you have to look there. You have to see it and, and you'll see it in different contexts. And, but, you know, the fundamental principles are the same. And if we understand that, yeah, we only, we see the world as we are, not as, you know, however it is, it's just the way we see it. Just takes a whole lot of pressure off, don't you think? Yes. And that's beautifully said. I, I 100% agree with you. And, and I I'm working on that as well. I mean, you know, I, I, I definitely have my beliefs and I have very strong, strong beliefs and it's not going to change, but, you know, trying to understand somebody else's perspective based on the lens they're looking through mm. that, that is important because then it can help you understand, Oh, that's probably why they made that decision. That makes sense. Not that I would ever tell somebody what to do or anything like that. No, but yeah. it, it, it does help to understand why that person sees something differently than you do. You know, then yeah. you're like, well, it makes sense because they were raised here. They did this. They did that. They believe, you know, uh, uh, they were educated here. They, it, it all matters. It all comes yeah. together for, for your, your world, the way you see things. So I, I think yeah. that that is a very, very important concept. It is. And I, I you know, I, I think it's not, it's not, not a matter that you, you know, you, you have to change anything. I think when you're just aware that, you know, people have their beliefs because of the experiences that they've had in life. And it's interesting how we, again, this tribal nature that we can only be friends with people that, that think and see the same as right. us, but it really doesn't have to be like that. I think it is so limiting when we are like that. Um, and instead just switch that to curiosity. And, you know, even beliefs are, you know, they're yours, but you know, they can be tampered with, but yes. the brain doesn't want them to be tampered with. That's <laughs> no, the they whole don't. point. You know, really it doesn't. And, you know, you might never change it. So what? That's fine. But again, that, that right, you, you deserve that. You know, others deserve that right as well, I guess. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Okay. Let's talk about what exactly is self-care because you kind of mentioned that in the book too, because I think a lot of people have the illusion or the, the, you know, the picture in their head of, you know, a bubble bath, reading a book, watching a movie, snuggling up with slippers and pajamas or something. What really is self-care? Okay. Well, that can definitely 
form part of it. I mean, I, I love doing that stuff too. Me too. I'm, yeah. So my, my journey with codependency or breaking through from that really taught me, for me, what self-care was about. And self-care was about really truly believing I could be me and I was worthy by just being here. You know, so much of our life is spent thinking that we, are, we have to justify our existence. We don't have to justify existence. We all deserve to be here and we all deserve to be who we are and who we want to be. Now, of course, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff we've got to uncover to be truly um, able to step into that. But that to me is self-care, things like boundaries mm. and, and, and really respecting my boundaries and respecting the boundaries of others. Um, very much a thing in codependent families, there is no boundaries are very, very poor. So I really didn't have an understanding of what that was. You know, I, I very much believed that I had to be a certain person and um, behave in a certain way to be loved. And that meant no boundaries because it just meant I had to, to shape shift into whoever I should be so that I was loved. And again, all innocent, you know, as little people, love is fundamental and we'll do whatever we can to get it. Um, so yeah, so that to me is self-care. Now again, it's another scary thing and it's very, very uncomfortable for practicing boundaries, saying no, um, you know, releasing, you know, knowing that all I'm responsible for in my life is me and my reactions to things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not responsible for anybody else's reaction. I'm not responsible for anybody else. Obviously, I'm a mother and I'm responsible for the fundamentals mm -hmm. with my children. Yeah, but a, but a big part of my parenting now is just to allow them to create their own path, not a path I want them to be on, but to walk beside them on their path and allow them to be who they want to be and make their own choices not always happy with the choices them they're not choices I would make but that's not my job to do that and that's been a massive part of learning about what true self-care is um you know and then well as we said releasing other people to be who they are um not getting um brought into other people's moods and not mm. thinking it's my job to fix somebody when they're not in a good mood you know how we 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 tend to jump into oh what have I done it's my fault it's nothing it's got nothing to do with you i mean obviously if you have done something hurtful to somebody you, you need to clean up but we're messy human beings are messy but we can clean up afterwards um so that's what true self-care is to me i mean it means different things to different people but i think being free to be who i am and that is okay mm -hmm. is the gift of true self-care and i love the you don't have to justify that because, you know, I, I think we're too quick to defend ourselves with why we think a certain way, why we do certain things, why we have a certain diet lifestyle for heaven's sakes, goodness, yeah. you can't, you, you're not even allowed to have that without people coming at you for it. And mm -hmm. then you feel it's just like this automatic reaction to defend yourself. Yes. Yes. But you don't have to, no. <laughs> you know, you don't owe okay. anybody justification for anything, you know? No, no. But see how you said that, that automatic reaction, like so much of what we do mm. is the first responders, these first responders that are going to be not where the answers lie. So seeing that that's going to come up, that's okay. We don't have to fear that. We don't have to change it, but we don't have to respond to it. You know, that's mm. what we get better at waiting. Oh, you know, maybe not that one. I'm just going to wait and see what else is available. 
Um, you know, that justifying thing, it's so easy on social media oh. to get into that. And I still feel that urge sometimes when someone makes a comment, but you know. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm getting so much better at if someone is truly curious um, and asks the question, I'm happy to to provide what I can and what I see around that. But if somebody actually is more, you know, coming the other way, like wanting me to defend myself, I won't do it. I just won't answer them. I'll just leave it. I, I really think, you know, our energy and what we give our time to is so well better spent on on people who are really curious, not really after, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. No. They're That's not right. there to actually want to learn about you to or or whatever it is you're talking about. They're not interested. They no, just want to catch you up. They want to, you know, throw shade at you, whatever. But yep. um, it, yeah, and I've fallen in that trap. God. Because I, I always want to, I, I want to try to help. And I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, no, these people, they don't care. That's not why they're there. They're there to get under your skin, period. And I'm getting better at recognizing that and, you know, just going ahead and blocking right away because there's no point, you know, Mm -hmm. they doesn't matter what I say. It's not going to matter to them. Mm -hmm. The other part, I like what you said is the, the saying no like learning to say no. And I'm getting a lot better at that, but that's hard, right? Especially when you're one of these people who, you know, just want to do everything and have your, have your, you know, foot in the door for everything. But sometimes you got to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And say no, full stop, you know, Mm -hmm. say no without the, you know, if you think about a, a classic example, you're at a party and someone offers you a piece of cake. You know, so you have some choices there. You can eat it, you can say no, or you can say no, oh, I'm on a diet or I don't eat that, you know, like going to the, or, uh-uh. you know, that's actually giving, you know, you're giving away too much of your power to this person, yep. you know, say no, thank you. And that's it. But Bam. that's actually really hard. <laughs> it is. And that, isn't that so weird? Why mm-hmm. is that so hard? It, th- but that's how most of us are built. We don't want to be re- yeah, we don't want to be yeah. rejected. We're inbuilt. Yeah. You know, it's inbuilt in us. Because if we were rejected, we died. Right. We, you know, like it, it, we are no different brain or body from, those, from the tribal hunter-gatherers, you know. But this modern world is just, there's all these things. It's the, the illusion of fear coming at us all the time. And I, as I said, I think it's seeing the first responders. It's seeing what our habitual brain will do and seeing that, you know what? You don't have to follow it. You don't. But That's unless right. you know you don't, you do follow it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. And, and, and it's so automatic. It's like, it's so automatic. I, oh, God, I've done that so, so many times. Yeah. But I'm getting but that's better. Why it's not, but that's why it's not easy and it's not a quick fix. Mm-hmm. It, it requires a constant you know, and like, you know, definitely not intuitive at first, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. Like anything, you ride a bike, you get better at it. The more you energy and effort you put into it. Yeah, it it gets easier. Definitely. Okay. Okay. I think we are about, yeah. Okay. So let's do one more. How do we really go about changing unwanted habits 
Lots of good one to end on, right? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think we've touched on so much of that as well. Same. We have, we have. Yeah, yeah. I wrote, um, I think that um, if I remember rightly, that insight, how do we go about changing unwanted habits? It's just something that I touch on quite a few times in the book. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm not sure if it is that insight or not, but I talk about going back to the cupboard and I talk about a story of when I changed my kitchen around. I moved everything in different places. And for like the first week, I kept going to get my glasses from the cupboard where it was, you know, automatically, right? And, you know, so you think about a habit. It's exactly mm -hmm. what it is. You're on autopilot. You just do, you know, because our brains are so amazing at, you know, helping us get through our day. And, you know, we go on autopilot, we just do it. Gradually, I stopped going to that and I started going to the new cupboard. And then out of the blue, three months later, I go back to the old cupboard again. And I'm like, oh. You know, isn't it incredible? But, it, you know, that's what a habit is. You, you decide you want to give up something or you want to change something. Well, your brain's not going to be happy about it. Your brain's mm. not going to instantly go, okay, <laughs> then, you know, and so it's understanding, right? Thought drives behavior. It's understanding the habitual nature of the brain. It's understanding and expecting it to take you to that habit for many, many moments, years, possibly the rest of your life. But you start to see you don't have to act on it. You start to see, oh, that's what the brain's doing. I don't want to do that anymore. Instead, I'm going to wait. So that one of my favorite quotes, I don't know if it's in the book, but a habit is just thought without reflection. You know, you have to build in a pause. You have to build in space between the thought and the action. If you don't do that, your brain will keep taking you to that old cupboard, you know, and that's you'll right. be forever going there. Oh, where's the glasses? You know, you have to... Be intentional you have to build in awareness you've got to do some work around creating a new pathway in the brain um but yeah so you know think about the brain is being awesome when you walk into the lounge room and you automatically know that thing with four legs is a chair imagine having to learn that every time you walk <laughs> you know like we take it for granted it helps us so much in everything we do but it's where it gets really, really unhelpful when it gets to the point where we feel it's controlling us and it's stopping us from living the life that we really want to live. That's right. And if you're not aware of something, you can't change it. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No. Awareness is everything. But then, you know, I take it to the next level of um, awareness is only something when you do something with it. Because we can have awareness and still not do sure. anything with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah absolutely and often that's a fear that's just a fear you know and that's a, an illusion that we can see past so yeah everything's changeable it, yeah, absolutely <laughs> okay so where can we find you so on my website tracymcbeath.com.au i have lots of free resources you can go to access the hub from that as well um, I have a shop. You can buy my book from there if you're interested. It's on Amazon um, as well. Um, but yeah, I'm there. I'm on Instagram, The Health and Healing Coach. Um, that's probably my favorite social media. I am on Facebook and LinkedIn, but my heart's in Instagram. I have me so too, much me too. fun. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I have so much fun. I've recently, as you might have gotten into the reels. <laughs> it's just so fun. You know what? We just got to do things that are fun, you know, like I, Agreed. you know, try and build in fun. And that's what I do there. So, yeah, with a little yeah. message as well. <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay. Well, cool. I'll have everything below. So no worries. And hey, while y'all are here, subscribe to my channel and then go follow Tracy.
And Tracy, <laughs> thank you so much for coming back on and giving us an update and telling us thank about you. everything you're doing now. I, I'm, I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to see more. And I don't know, maybe you might just be seeing me in that coaching class at some point. So <laughs> sounds pretty exciting. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much, Amber. I love, I love the work you do. I love our connection. And thanks so much for having me back on. Absolutely. Love you, Tracy. Bye, darling. Bye.